Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. There's a part of us, if we're honest, and also as long as we're being honest, we should admit this usually isn't the best part of us that wants to be the big boss. We want to be the head honcho, el jefe. We want to be able to say something and have people scurrying and running off to fulfill our command. And even we want people to have a fear that if they do something that's wrong, right, they, they're going to be in big trouble, right? And what, what I say is the law. What I say goes, Well, if you think about what that might look like, uh, you can understand maybe what it was like to be a Roman centurion or a commander in the Roman military. These guys had power. If they said something needed to get done, they would have guys scurrying off to get it done. And due process, I don't think was quite what it is today. Uh, These guys really held the power of life and death in their hand. If you crossed one of these guys, um, th- that could have serious consequences for you. you. You had to obey. These guys had authority. Well, today we're going to be reminded of someone who really has authority. More authority than a centurion could ever dream of. More authority than you and I will ever have. We're going to look really at King Jesus and the authority that he possesses. And what we want to see is how that should build our trust. It should build our faith. And really, it's good to know that not only is he the big boss, is he the head honcho, he is perfectly good and righteous and trustworthy. So not only does he have all power to do whatever he wishes, uh, he has the wisdom and the care and the love to do what is right and do what is best. And we're going to see that from our New Testament reading today as we look at Matthew 8, verse 1, and also verses 5 through 13, and Luke 7, 1 through 17. And here we will look mostly at the recording in Luke, and particularly of this healing of a centurion's servant. And here we see that it's really people who come on the centurion's behalf to Jesus, And they're kind of making the case for this guy. Hey, he's a centurion. He's got power, but he's actually a good guy. You see that in verse four, where they say he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And then as he gets closer, the centurion says other friends, and look what he says here, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I do not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. So the centurion here uses an analogy. He uses an illustration of his own power and authority. He says, hey, Jesus, I know how authority works. 
because I've got soldiers. And if I tell somebody to do something, they're going to do it. And that's where he's really confessing here. He's arguing from the lesser to the greater. He knows that Jesus has real authority, authority that goes beyond what he will ever have, because Jesus has authority even over um, this sickness that his servant had. And he shows that he has that trust because he's saying, Jesus, if you want this sickness gone, it's gone. You don't have to come to my house to get this sickness gone. You have authority. And he shows that faith. Do we have the faith of this Roman centurion? I want you to think about even just the challenges you might be facing in life right now, whatever might be going on. Are you able to go to Jesus and admit, Jesus, you've got authority. If you want this thing to be done, it will be done, right? And that's where that that can help us even as we sort through some of those things. There's some times where we might be praying for something and really we're, we're praying based on a promise of God. For instance, there might be a situation in your life where you are praying for wisdom and you have a promise of God that encourages you to pray for wisdom from James 1. Well, then you can go to Jesus saying, hey, I know you have authority. I know you have the power to give wisdom. And based on what you said, I know that you will give wisdom. And that will maybe help sort out some of our other desires. And when we see things not going the way we want them to, we don't need to despair and freak out because we know Jesus is sovereign. He is in control. He can do whatever he wants. And so if we find ourselves in a situation where the seas aren't quite parting when and where we want them to, we can know, well, it's not because Jesus doesn't have the power to. It must mean that Jesus clearly doesn't think that that is best for us or wisest for us at that time. And so really, I think the example of this centurion's faith should do a lot to drive even our peace today, where I know that Jesus has authority. And whatever is in my life, Jesus could make it go away. He could sort it all out in an instant. And if he's not, well, then I can trust him. I can trust his character. We, we see Jesus even then showing that he has power over death itself as he, in the next passage, raises this widow's son. Now, this is something that we should note um, because Jesus raises somebody from the dead. That, that isn't something that we see Jesus necessarily do often. There are a few examples of it. I mean, most notably towards the end of his ministry, raising Lazarus from the dead, and then ultimately his own resurrection, which was one of a different type, because this widow's son someday died again. Jesus rose again, never to die again. But this is an incredible display of power. Jesus has power even over life and death. And that should help us as Christians. And maybe we have a loved one who is sick. We know Jesus is in control. And we know if Jesus wants them better, they will get better. But then it also gives us just the confidence that Jesus does have power over death. And even when we experience perhaps the death of a loved one, uh, if they are in the Lord, we can have confidence. Well, they will rise again because my Savior is sovereign even over death itself. So the power of Jesus displayed in these passages should build our faith and give us strength, give us encouragement today. I also think we'll see a connection to all of this in our Old Testament reading today as we look at Genesis 45 to 47. We're getting close to the end of Genesis, close to the end of this saga with Joseph, and today we get really to one of the climactic moments 
of this whole saga, and that is Joseph revealing himself to his brothers. And that's right at the front end of our reading today. Now, remember yesterday, we saw a little bit of how that was set up. It seems Joseph is clearly moved by Judah, really offering his life in the place of his brother Benjamin's. And now Joseph, it says in verse one, could not control himself before all who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Uh, But his brothers are dismayed. Now, that's understandable. Could you imagine selling your brother into slavery and then years down the road you go and he is in a position of incredible power over you? Uh, Yeah, that's what the brothers are, are feeling. But look at what Joseph says. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which they will neither be plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow, that is an amazing statement. And again, Joseph shows a lot really about the power of trusting in a sovereign God. Were his brothers wrong? Absolutely. What they did was sinful. What they did was horrible. But Joseph... He knows God can do anything, and he even shows a lot of trust in the wisdom of God and the foresight of God, that God used this tragedy to do something good. And that's where, again, a lot of our reading today, I think, should build that in us. We're trusting in a sovereign Savior. And even more than being sovereign, He is wise, He is good. And so when we see things in our life that seem to be going awry, going astray, we don't need to freak out. We can stay calm. We can trust in our faithful God. And we can trust that when things aren't going the way we think they should, it's really because God clearly has a different plan. And if God has a different plan from our plan, one thing you can be sure of a hundred percent of the time, God's plan is better. But we should never be doubting the sovereignty of God and even just the power of God to do whatever needs to be done. He can do that with you know a snap of his divine fingers, so to speak, with a, with a word. God can do whatever he wants to. He can do what needs to be done. He is a man with authority, more than a centurion could ever dream of, more than you and I will ever possess. And then we see more in this story just of Joseph's family even coming down. It gives kind of the lists of people who come down. And one thing I would just encourage you to note from this as well is all of this has been foretold, right? Abraham, Isaac, um, Jacob, it's been clear that there's going to be a sojourning somewhere else before they come back to the promised land. And God is in Egypt going to turn them into a great nation. And so see some of that being done in all of this journey to Egypt as well. And then we see more of Joseph actually providing his plan works to get them through the famine in chapter 47. But again, notice it today and we'll see it as we wrap up Genesis as well. Uh, Just the credit that Joseph gives to God 
his plan. God sent me before you. He was trusting in a sovereign God. I hope today that you are trusting in a sovereign Savior, a Savior who has authority, a Savior that not only has authority, is good, and he is wise. Let's trust him today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.